Welcome to the Abstract Veterans Podcast. Today, Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger speak with Terry Pagoda, Ryan Might, and Jenny Kelleher. For more information, please visit limbic-cenc.org. Visit the Abstract Athlete for more information and news. The Abstract Veterans Podcast with Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome back um, to the next episode of Veterans Abstract Series. I guess it is episode, maybe not show or podcast. Kevin, how do we how do we figure that one out? And by the way, this is Kevin Sigiger, Colonel Kevin Sigiger, retired, my esteemed co-host. Do we have a how do we do that series podcast? What do you think, Kevin? It is a series. Well, it's a ser- episode seven of season two. There we go. Episode seven of season two. Leave it to the Feel great officers to figure it out. That's why I was coming to great folks. I stayed, stayed, stayed one below. Um, well, it's good to have everyone. I hope everyone's checking in and had a sort of productive gap since the last time uh, last time we spoke. So as many of you know, uh, on the podcast or the episode that we do, uh, last year, we went heavily into research. And we talked about a lot of limbic sensory researchers and kind of who they are, what they did, and how the research is put forth. This year was a little bit different. We wanted to bring in not only researchers as well, but caregivers and others in the community that were maybe, shall we say, laypersons or end users in the world of TBI. Which brings us to this episode with a very special set of guests, because this is a little bit different. We're actually looking at research on this one and where it goes and how it impacts the service member and or civilian in the community. So with that, I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Terry Pagoda and her team, uh, Ms. Jenny Kelleher, did I get that correct? Kelleher. Kelleher. All right. My apologies. Thank you. And Mr. Ryan Mike. Uh, we're there looking at the physical and psychological health and readjustment issues uh, to include the integration into voc rehab. And I'm not going to go any further on that, but I will let Ms. Pagoda, excuse me, Dr. Pagoda, to uh, take the lead here. Tell us a little bit who you, what you do, and, uh, and your team. Sure. Um, so my name is Terry Pagoda. By training, I'm an experimental psychologist, and I work as a health services researcher at the Department of Veterans Affairs in Boston. I'm also a research associate professor at the Boston University School of Public Health. I've been at the VA for 17 years, and my research interests are in health and employment experiences of veterans as they readjust to civilian life, especially for veterans who have a history of traumatic brain injury, uh, which is referred to as TBI, and post-traumatic stress disorder, which is referred to as PTSD, and I'm also interested in the health services that VA offers to help veterans return to work. Related to that, I'm also the VA Boston Principal Investigator of the Limbic Sensi Perspective Longitudinal Study, which studies any effects of mild TBI on service members and veterans who served in combat. So, you know, just for the folks out there, I met uh, Dr. Bracota, uh several, actually it was back in was it September. Is that what it is? We were down in Orlando for the uh, military research health symposium down there that's always a fun time to to see folks and catch up and find out kind of what's new and what's hot in the world of uh, military research so with that terry um tell us a little bit about more about the supported employment component of it i mean you and i had a discussion a while back kind of leading up to this and really an intriguing intriguing subject that uh, affects a lot of our returning service members and their families um i just wanted to jump in so should jenny and ryan introduce themselves 
Uh, I was few. Well, I mean, we, as I said, folks, we've never had this many people on here. So, so we're just kind of bumbling along as we go. So please, please, please forgive us. I tell you what, uh, sure. Why don't you introduce them or they can introduce themselves. We have kind of an open, open forum right here, whatever you wish to do. Jenny, why don't you go ahead? Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Jenny Kelleher and um, I am a, a trainer for the individual placement and support model of supported employment. Um, currently working for the IPS Employment Center, but formerly I spent 11 years in the VA um, as a mentor trainer, um, working with teams that provide supported employment services to the veterans um, uh, on their caseloads. And so had the pleasure to uh, get to know Dr. Pagoda, and um, she pulled me in to work with her on the study um, implementing IPS, Individual Placement and Support, with veterans with TBI. I'll kick it over to Ryan. Okay, thank you, Jenny. Uh, my name is Ryan Might. Um, I'm also an Army veteran, so it's always nice to preach to the choir. Um, so I started in individual placement and support, also referred to as supported employment, with the, with the VA in 2005. Uh, I became a trainer in 2006. Um, in that role, uh, I've had the ability to go around to train other sites on the model, and then also carry a caseload of veterans where I'm actually um, doing the, uh, the work with them and helping them uh, with their employment goals. Um, through that, I've gotten to know uh, Jenny Kelleher on a spinal cord injury uh, research study, uh, which also worked under this model. And then I was a trainer for uh, a PTSD study, um, looking at the effectiveness of the IPS model uh, with veterans with PTSD. So it's great to be here and um, I look forward to it. Thank you. It's great getting to meet, uh, I've known Terry now for probably six, seven, eight years. Uh, as long as uh, Boston has been a site in our longitudinal study, and it's been a pleasure working with her. Um, one question I have, kind of, it's kind of a jumping off point for me. Uh, I know what vocational rehab is in the VA. Um, my daughter, actually, when she was medically boarded uh, out of the Army, vocational rehab was a lifesaver. Um, how does is vocational rehab and uh, supported employment the same? Do they support each other? What what is what are the similarities and what are the differences? So um, the Veterans Health Administration Vocational Rehabilitation Services offers a number of compensated work therapy programs, with one of them being supported employment. Support employment adheres to eight principles and is a highly individualized program for people who have significant barriers to employment because of psychological or physical health conditions that make functioning in the workplace difficult without ongoing support services. And I wanted to note that compensated work therapy is provided by the Veterans Health Administration. It considers work as therapeutic and as part of a veteran's health and recovery trajectory. So supported employment is a part of vocational rehabilitation. Gotcha. Yeah, the only therapeutic work I know of is fishing and golfing, but uh, I can't make a living out of either one of those. You know, that's, that's interesting that you mentioned that. I, it's been a long time since I've heard something like the, where the work is therapeutic. You know, you're taking an individual who 
you know, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, you know, trauma, you know, working with them, getting them into the into the community. It, it, I could see it being therapeutic in a lot of ways where you're, you're engaging again with the public. You know, you're engaging again and learning to sort of multitask and so forth. Can you elaborate? Uh, and this is an open question to, to any of you three, you know, sort of where you see that going and how it can, can, came about, maybe so with a little history to it in a, in a you know, into the future. Um, sure. Um, so I'll describe a little bit about the um, support employment program and what it does. Um, actually, I guess I can give a little history. Um, so support employment was first introduced in the VA, in the VHA, Veterans Health Administration in 2004, and it was targeted to veterans who experienced psychosis. And since that time, VHA Vocational Rehabilitation Leadership has encouraged this, its expansion to other veteran populations who may also need support in returning to work, such as veterans with spinal cord injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, and traumatic brain injury. And so I can describe a little bit about what support employment actually does, and Ryan and Jenny can jump in. So as I mentioned, it's a highly individualized vocational rehabilitation program where the support employment provider works closely with the veteran, the veteran's clinical team and employers to find a job in the community that matches the veteran's interests, skills, and preferences. And the decision to go back to work is made by the veteran and nobody's excluded from participating if they have a particular diagnosis, legal history, substance use history, or other condition that is traditionally perceived as a barrier to employment. The support employment provider works with the veteran where they're at. So the support employment provider meets with the veteran to understand their strengths, hobbies, interests, and work experiences. And based on the veteran's interests and preferences, the support employment provider makes targeted visits in the community to employers to learn about their businesses. The support employment provider sort of serves as a matchmaker to help the veteran get offered a job that matches their strengths and interests while also meeting the business needs of the employer. And the job does not have to be a traditional nine to five position. It can range from a few hours per week to full time. And once the veteran is employed, the support employment provider provides ongoing support and continues to meet the veteran to discuss what's going well and if there are any challenges. And ideally, by the time the veteran is offered a job, the support employment provider has met with the employer multiple times and has an established relationship with them so they can check in with the employer to see how things are going, serve as the veteran's advocate, and be an intermediary if any adjustments need to be made in the workplace. And the support employment provider also integrates with the veteran's clinical team and discusses veteran progress, including any additional clinical supports that may be needed, such as medication adjustments, assistive devices, or strategies to help with such things as improving organization, memory, or interpersonal interactions. And veterans receive counseling on how employment may affect any benefits they may be receiving. And support employment services are provided for however long the veteran and support employment provider agree that they are needed. And to date, there have been at least 28 randomized control trials examining support employment versus other vocational rehabilitation programs. And the competitive employment rate has been at least twice as high for individuals enrolled in support employment versus the other programming versus the other programs 
demonstrating that it's a highly effective program. No, that's that's interesting. I mean, I once again, I, I said it, I said it earlier. You know, the the therapeutic concept, you know, with being a positive, productive, you know, member of the community. And, and I looked over some of the data sets that uh, that you sent. You know, you've had sixty percent, I think, job placement, roughly, give or take. I may be rounding up there a bit. Um, it, it a fair fair wage, you know. And I'm sure, you know, veterans are, you know, the general public and, and Ryan probably could speak to this as well. And, and he will here in a sec, I guess that. You know, we're, a lot of times we'll be painted with one brush, you know, but we're we're just as unique and diverse and as, as different than 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 anybody else. You know, when you look at different backgrounds, that's the one thing I always used to say about the Army. I used to always say the Army is the most diverse organization in the world and in academia. My background's in public health here in Montana. They, they would laugh at me because they didn't, they didn't really see that as diverse. And I said, look, man, I said the only common denominator we have is our, our uniform. I mean, that's it. You know, folks from all different geopolitical backgrounds, you know, physical, different physical geographies, different beliefs. I mean, the, the whole nine yards, the only common denominator was the uniform and having to get up at zero six and show up to formation. So I'd like to ask you a question there, Ryan, with your with your your military background and before. What did you do, if I may ask? I was airborne infantry with the 82nd. The 80 deuce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I did. Yeah, I jumped school years and years ago, and I did my line time out with the 25th out in, okay. out in Schofield. But I worked with a lot of guys and crossed over with 80 Deuce on, on many different times. Yeah, no, no, no. I was a young private and learned why the sky is blue, yeah. as you can see see right behind me back there. I saw that in the Ranger Club, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I was class 600. I went as an E3. You know, it's funny funny how that works. Okay. Um, I'm just curious, with you, as I said, with your sort of military background, what is, is sort of your take? on how this this works and i mean and what do you see you know coming as a former soldier is is you know successes with the program and then maybe certain impediments in dealing with sort of as i said the the diverse uh, sort of group of people that that come through it well i think that's a really good point and i think oftentimes veterans are kind of channeled into career fields based upon maybe uh you know sometimes what they did in the military um and then also sometimes just based upon their their previous work history and the veterans that we're working with, um, the, you know, they're they're really in need of intensive supports to be successful at work. And many times, some of those previous uh, career fields just aren't very viable anymore. Um, either they're not physically uh, able to do that type of work. There may be mental health barriers that get in the way, or they just may not be interested in it. Um, I was in the infantry, and when I came out, I really wasn't interested in going into law enforcement or being a security <laughs> guard. You know, I had other interests. And I think um, what sets supported employment apart is just how individualized um, the approach is. And Kevin mentioned earlier um, about the only therapeutic uh, job he can think of is fishing, is one, and, but you can't get paid for that. Well, I think with supported employment model, we would use, you know, uh, his interest in fishing to say, well, let's explore that. Um, what, you know, um, there, there, there may be, you know, employment options with charter boats there could be something at a local bait shop where he's familiar and likes to go um, there could be a range of employment opportunities that are uh, tied into the veterans individual interests and they may have already built have built in networks uh, with some of those but just maybe haven't considered um, some of those as viable career paths so what we do is really try to tap into those interests and connect uh, those veterans with you know experts 
um, you know, uh, business owners in those fields to help them do something that they really enjoy um, in in a at a at a pace and uh, a number of hours per week that's comfortable for them. So it is therapeutic. It's something they get up and they look forward to doing, uh, rather than you know having to dread going to work, which is that's not what we're trying to do here. No, that's a, that's a very interesting eye level eye level approach to it, especially with your your background and seeing it. This is, I mean, this is. I wish I'd known about this a long time ago. I mean, doing this these podcasts, we seem to to learn something every show. What do you think, Kevin? I learned to uh, <clears throat> unmute my computer first. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, channeled into fields, you know, you guys are all hua hua with this infantry stuff, and we the ASVAB scoring low kind of channels people into the infantry, but uh, you know the, the people that score higher usually go into the military police corps. That's where the that's where I'm the sure you arrested a few of us back in the day. Yes, yes. Uh, that's probably why he wasn't uh, eligible for law enforcement was because of that time he was an infantryman. But uh, that that was uh, really. I mean, I love the answer about. Uh, the the possibilities of fishing and what what I was going to ask Jenny is what are some of the impediments what are some of the hurdles or obstacles with the veterans or other people involved in this that that you have to overcome what what is what why would what are some of the reasons or excuses you've gotten in the past of why I don't want to do this or this is dumb or because there's so many great programs out there even when we're in the military, that we try to convince soldiers that this is your best move and you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. So how, how do you guys make them drink, so to speak? <laughs> I think that's a great question. Um, you know, we really, um, we talk a lot about engagement um, with the IPS approach and really um, the, the entire uh, assessment process is intended to be very different than what you might get in a traditional vocational program. It's very conversational and very strengths-based. Um, and so we, we start there for one thing and really try to get to know the person and find out what makes them tick, what's their passion, what are they excited about? Is it is it golf or fishing? Um, and, and can that be a jumping off point? Um, so that's that's one way that we we try to um, get some buy-in, you know, and, and capitalize on uh, the fact that the person in front of us has said they'd like to work. Um, one of the model principles is also it's called rapid job search. And what that means in application is the employment specialist will start looking for a job for that person within the first 30 days of meeting them. Um, and what that tends to do is really generate momentum. You've got somebody who comes in saying, I do want a job. They might be doubtful. They might be apprehensive about the approach. Um, but when the employment specialist takes them seriously and immediately starts going out and uh, making contact with employers that are interesting to the person uh, that, you know, are targeted because of their individual interests and skills. Um, like Ryan said, you know, maybe a bait shop for the person who's talking about enjoying fishing or maybe a charter boat company for that same person. Um, by doing that, it really starts to um, help develop the relationship between the employment specialist and the, the veteran um, and uh, it develops trust. And just like I said, generates momentum. So a lot of times that's where we see that buying in happen and a partnership developing between um, the veteran and the employment specialist to then keep that job search going and uh, really get them involved in the process. 
No, that that's interesting. The, the the quick engagement, you know, and the note I just took was sort of the time, the time from contact until the time from turnaround, and then the team based approach that you have. I think it's some of the, the the notes that I reviewed earlier. I mean, you're bringing in, you know, the vocational component, the the physical health, the mental health. I mean, the whole nine yards. You know, working with the individual and turning around, and and the you know the customized approach. Let me ask you this, and I'll just toss it out there for anyone that that wants to respond. Um, you know, looking at the success rate that I've seen, the, the one thing, a question I had is, and it's it's great that that you have a hands-on approach and you stay interested because if you break interest, I mean, the, the person's going to see it. It's like when I used to show up to a new unit as an officer, I would go find an E4 and have them explain how the unit worked to me. They generally know knew how it worked, you know, and then when you're up there, you know, giving your brief or orders of the day or whatever it may be, you know, you have to be straight and you have to be clear because they'll see right through you. And there's just there's no there's no way around that. Some people can can think they don't, but you know there's there's practical application and reality, and there's you know just <laughs> yeah yeah don't ever BS your soldiers, you know straight up. Um, but with that, you know, in in the time and effort you've put in, how long or or I don't know if you have this data or not. As I said, I'm just trying to toss it out there. Do do individuals stick around a position? Or do they do it for, let's say, a couple months and then, you know, get bored, go somewhere else? Or do they stay with it, you know, and then go up the promotion ladder and, you know, with a new new career field? You just cut tossing out there. I don't know if you guys have any type of data on that, but I'd be curious to curious to know. I can take a stab at that one. And I, I know Ryan can uh, can respond as well. And I, I bet Terry does have some data on that. Um, we we definitely. And she's nodding her head in agreement. <laughs> Um, we definitely want to see people uh, embark on a career path um, or return to a career path of their choosing. And so, but I think uh, a, an accurate answer to that question really is that it depends on the individual. Um, you know, there are some folks who have been out of work for a long time that come to an IPS um, program and, and ask for help. Um, and so they're, um, uh, they might they might work a couple of jobs before they find the the one that really feels right and the one that they stick with. Um, so it really just is it's as as uh, individualized as each person. Um, but we we really make an effort to help the person into a career path and into a position where they can grow. Um, to me, one of the the best. Um, um, aspects of this model that helped contribute to that is the integrated um, service delivery. Um, so it's not just about employment. Um, uh, Kevin asked earlier about barriers, you know, that we might encounter. Um, and certainly the folks that we're serving um, do struggle with different barriers, whether they have to do with their mental health or their TBI or their physical health. Um, and we, the employment specialists partner with the uh, clinical team members of that individual around addressing those barriers and trying to mitigate them or even remove them if we can. Um, and that helps a lot in terms of job sustainment. Once you have somebody out there working and let's say in the case of somebody with a TBI, um, maybe their memory uh, problems are creating um, issues on the job. Well, that's something that um, is not you know, strictly up to the person to problem solve or even the employment specialist only to problem solve. That can be brought back to the team because there might be a therapist who has some strategies that they can start working with that veteran on to um, mitigate those problems. Or there might be a um, an occupational therapist, you know, that can help devise some kind of um, strategy that they can use at work 
um, for organization or for helping them to remember the steps of the task that they're um, responsible for. So those things, that that uh, aspect of the model, I think really contributes to helping somebody be successful in their position, keep their job, grow, uh, learn, and advance. Um, yeah, so those are my thoughts. So I'm, like I said, I'm sure Ryan and, and Terry can add to that. Um, well, I'll, I'll just uh, step in. Actually, it's a great question. And last month, I was uh, going to meet with a veteran for a job interview. And after the job interview, um, I went over to the Home Depot uh, to see if a veteran that uh, was placed there back in 2005 was still working. And uh, sure enough, uh, he's been there for 17, 18 years now. Absolutely loves it. Hasn't called off sick the entire wow. time. Um, spoke with the manager and they had nothing but praises for this veteran because he's just such a great fit and he loves what he does. Um, the veteran that I was uh, accompanied for the interview prior to that, um, I was working with him. He wanted to work um, at a restaurant. Well, he said he wanted to work at a restaurant and we the barbecue was his thing. And so um, I was with him for that first day. And after about 45 minutes into the job, he decided that, you know, this just is not for me. Um, and he wanted to go in a different direction. Um, so, you know, sometimes uh, veterans believe that they really want to do a certain type of work. We can help them get that experience. And if it's not a good fit, well, that's not a problem. We can learn from that and focus our energy into um, an avenue that is a, is a better fit uh, for them. So it's very individualized and unique to each veteran. Um, but we don't ever wanna um, feel as though we're um, kind of pushing a veteran into a certain career field or, or there's any pressure for them to stay in a job that they don't like. Um, we want, as we said, we want this to be, you know, a positive therapeutic experience and so uh, the longevity of a job just, uh, it kind of depends with each veteran. Well, we just hit the 25 minute mark. So we probably got time for maybe two more questions. So I'll take the next to last and the penultimate question and leave the last one for sure. Um, with so many of the TV shows and the news broadcasts, and I, I hate the way they portray uh, veterans that are coming back from wartime situations it's, it, like like char said in the beginning they kind of paint us with a broad brush um taking that into consideration how hard of a sell is it to the employers uh to take on this uh, it's somewhat of a daunting task i mean they're, they're taking a risk uh they're putting it out there how, how difficult has it been uh to to get the employers to sign up for this Both we're it. playing ping pong, right? Okay, I guess I'll, I'll take this one then. Um, so really, I think one of the things that helps kind of skirt some of the stigma that goes around uh, veterans and employment is when we meet with employment, uh, I'm sorry, when we meet with employers, um, we don't go in right away and ask uh, if they're hiring or if they want to hire this particular veteran um, or what jobs are available we let them know that we have a veteran who's interested in this particular career field and would like to learn more about uh, the, the, the career field, the business, the job duties that go on there. Um, so the veteran can have be more informed uh, around the direction they wanna go in their career. 
And so there's no pressure for the veteran. There's no pressure for the employer because it's not an interview. This is a informational meeting. And employers are generally very um, open to meeting with veterans, to talking about the, their businesses, uh, to talking about the different job duties that take place there. And I think when we approach it that way, uh, we have much more success um, because we're not trying to um, pressure or pigeonhole an employer to do anything that they're, they may not feel comfortable with. No, that's a great, that's a great point that you make right there. You know, it's, it's interesting sometimes, you know, and I don't want to say it's any kind of discrimination or anything like that, but there's a sense of maybe, you know, kind of the, kind of the unknown, but they're also tapping into, into a resource that there's not a lot of in the community. You know, you made the comment early, you know, about infantry, you know, being a security guard or a professional landscaper or something like that, you know, but, and, and I'm saying this and I'm not saying it in jest, but, you know, you know, senior NCOs in the infantry and so forth. I mean, they have a command and control capability that it will surpass most civilians because they know how to problem solve in the kinetic environment. They know how to engage. You know, like back when I was young, like way young, we were former military days. I remember waiting tables. And, and I got to tell you, I think everybody should have to wait tables. You learn how to deal with the public. You learn how to problem solve. You learn how to deal with with individual issues. You have to have teamwork. You know, if you don't, you know, and it's and you're working for other people's generosity, which teaches you sometimes I don't want to say manners per se, but but how to to read a situation, you know, figure out how to engage it, you know, how to overcome it and succeed with with your team. So no doubt about it. Um, you know, as Kevin said, we, we've hit our time and I don't I don't have any additional questions, but I, I got to tell you, this was this was one of the more fun ones that we that we've done, Kevin. And I think one of the more informative I, you know, I knew that the you know, the VBA was out there, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, you know, and that they did sort of agree, but I didn't really realize, you know, as I said earlier at the beginning of the show that, that they were using, you know, something that employment, you know, not only, you know, beneficial to, to, to the veteran in a, well, in a financial, you know, sense and their family as well, obviously, because the caregivers of families are directly involved in this with, with income, but using it as a therapeutic approach, you know, for, for re-engagement and skill set, skill set training. And as all three of you have pointed out, in a very sort of diverse component, you know, we were kind of joking earlier about fishing, but but it's not really a joke, you know, to what you mentioned, you know, working at Home Depot for 17 something plus years. That's that's incredible, you know, versus uh, other people that, that maybe get into a position, you know, it's not not really their thing and, and they come back. Out of it. But the one thing that that I'm seeing out of here and this is what with my big takeaway is to, is the social engagement, you know, in, in helping someone, you know, to build upon what they have. And to go forward, you know, and to get off the couch, get out from behind the TV, and be a positive, productive, you know, member of, of society. So, um, yeah, this is great stuff. Uh, so, I'd like to to thank you for being on for sure and taking your time to to join us. And uh, you know, folks out there that are listening, this is uh, this is new to me, and this may be new to you. So, you know, working listening to these three folks and kind of how they do it. You know, there are obviously some research here, but this this is happening. I mean, this is practical application. So I highly encourage some of you, if you're interested in this type of program, to, to contact us. And we'll we'll provide links that, uh, before we go out, you know, before this, this podcast goes out, obviously. And click on it and, you know, reach out to these folks if you want to be part of the research. Or just, you know, point you in the right direction either either way. But this is an incredible opportunity. And I think there's a lot of a lot of folks out there that could use it. So that's all I've got. I thank you for, for being here. Kevin, do you have any any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was thinking the whole time, the biggest the biggest part of the transition, whether it's a voluntary transition with retirement or just getting out or an involuntary due to medical reasons, it is a it is a major transition and it is a 
a severe feeling of decrease in worth and importance for the veteran as they are transitioning and, and something like this can can meet a lot of needs and and provide a lot of assistance and help so it's a it's an awesome program with some awesome people uh, every everybody i've ever met in this in this field is a people person so i'd probably not be eligible for this but um, it is a uh, it is a very it is one of the best programs uh, that the VA has out there. So if anybody needs it, look it up. It, it really helped my daughter when she was transitioning and it, it is it is a great organization. I'd like to thank you know Terry, Ryan and Jenny, thanks for being on the show. And uh, on a personal note, I really appreciate you know what you what you what you folks are doing, the path that you're taking and you know the ability to well, it's not ability you're doing it, but reaching out and helping people you know, get reestablished and, and move on with positive, productive lives because uh, because they need it. So with that, uh, really, as I said, I really appreciate you guys being here. Keep up the good work. And I'd like to thank, you know, obviously my my co-host here, uh, Colonel Kevin Siginger, Ron in the box up top and the team that remains unseen. Thank you for your time. Um, look forward to it. And folks, hey, look, check out the website, check out the links to this stuff. This is this is this is this is neat. I just don't have any other other word for it. So until then, everyone take care, take care of each other, and we will see you uh, on our next episode of the Veterans Abstract Series. Be safe and goodbye. Thank you to Terry Pagoda, Ryan Might, and Jenny Kelleher for joining Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger today on the Abstract Veterans Podcast. For more information, please visit limbic-cenc.org. The Abstract Veterans is produced by The Abstract Athlete. For more information, please visit theabstractathlete.com. And as always, follow us on all of our social media platforms under The Abstract Veterans, The Abstract Doctors, and The Abstract Athlete. See you soon with our next episode.